Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Phillies Focus podcast. On today's episode, I'll be recapping the unfortunate start to the season. I'll be getting into the pitching and offensive struggles to start off and how the loss of Reese Hoskins is going to create a much larger hole in the lineup than people initially realize. I'll be touching base on the center field debacles to start off as well as looking ahead to the next three games on the schedule to try to hopefully get our first win. So without further ado, let's do this. Interestingly, Pete Rose used to use a a bat that was manufactured in in Japan, the Mizuno bat. When I was bat boying for the Phillies, and it was oh, really? the hardest wood I had ever touched. All right. Well, not even Ruben Amaro being an idiot can lighten the mood after these first four games to start off the year. I mean, could it have gone much worse to start off? Um, I don't think so. I really don't think so. And so where do I even start? I guess I'll start with game one. We we were rolling. Bohm had a home run off of DeGrom. We had seven extra base hits against DeGrom in, what, like four innings and built a 5 nothing lead. And Nola hadn't allowed a hit through the first three innings, so it was looking like we should be starting off opening day with a win against DeGrom and Texas. And then the fourth inning happened. And couldn't have gone much worse. Nola didn't last through the inning. Ended up giving five up five earned runs. Couldn't get a guy out. And then our bullpen came in. Could not get the job done either. Um, so we ended up losing the game 11-7 to with Cassiano striking out to end the game. And it was a very bitter way to start the year. It's one thing losing, it's one thing giving up 11 runs, but to do both of those things while also blowing a 5 nothing lead against one of the top three pitchers in baseball was, was very sour. It was very sour and very bitter and kind of went into game two thinking, all right, it's just one game, so we'll shake it off, we'll get back on track, and as bad as game one was, Game two was that much worse. Wheeler did not have his stuff just like Nola. Couldn't make it through the fourth inning. And neither could our bullpen do anything worth noting in terms of anything positive. In game two, we ended up giving up 16 runs. We had to pitch Josh Harrison to end the game in order to conserve our bullpen for the coming days. So a little bit of those runs added on the, at the end are a little bit hollow, but nonetheless, we gave up 27 runs in the first two games of the year. So then we went into game three, Sunday night baseball, primetime ESPN matchup, and Bailey Falter showed up, had our best uh, pitching game of the year so far, and really pitched well. Got uh, got into the sixth inning, wasn't able to finish it, but by far has been our best uh, pitching, p- 
pitching uh, performance of the year so far and really kept us in the game and gave us an opportunity to win it. But our bats, of course, our bats didn't show up this game. So we ended up losing game three. I believe it was two to one. Um, and we left we left a lot of men on base in the opening weekend, which is pause for cause for concern. But another thing that really stuck out is we started Chris, our newly uh, traded for center fielder Christian Pache over Brandon Marsh. Um, lefty Martin Perez was pitching, and so Pache batted ninth, um, had some really nice plays in defense. He's probably a top three defensive center fielder in baseball, which is why we acquired him. I was thinking it was going to be more of a late game substitution substitution type thing, but when I heard news of the trade, I wasn't crazy about it. It didn't seem like something that we were really in need for, a defensive specialist in center field. I mean, I was always under the impression that that's what Brandon Marsh was to begin with, and it's not like Pache's hitting is anything really of an upgrade over Marsh in terms of if we want to do a platoon and to trade Logan O'Hoppy to Anaheim last year in exchange for Marsh, who is looking like he's going to be uh, a above-average everyday catcher in the league. To kind of trade him for the thought of a platoon center fielder in Marsh, um, all we heard off season is that we have confidence in Marsh we have confidence in Marsh being able to progress in terms of hitting left-handed pitching, and we see him as an everyday player. So then, lo and behold, we trade for Christian Pache, a guy who the Oakland A's, who are a glorified minor league team playing in the majors right now, who said that they didn't have any more time to put into the project of Pache's hitting. So... Correlating that to his start on Sunday night, he ended up leaving six men on base in his first three at-bats um, and looked absolutely like he didn't even belong at the plate in all three appearances. Um, there was his second at-bat. He struck out on three pitches, and he didn't even swing, and they were right over the plate, and he just stared at every single one and popped up another another one and another at-bat, I believe, on the first pitch. Um, lazy pop-up to the first baseman, who made a hell of a catch on it, but nonetheless, terrible at-bat. So that start um, by Pache in center fielder in center field arguably cost us game three. Um, we don't know what Marsh would have done in those at-bats, but Realistically speaking, if he gets one hit in those three at-bats with the six men on base, we either tie or potentially go ahead in, in terms of the final score. So so that's been rough. However, going into game four last night against the Yankees, against Nestor Cortez, Mr. Mr. Mustache, they call him Nasty Nestor, which is... <laughs> such a, a fitting nickname for that guy, in my opinion, on, on many levels. You can take it however you'd like. And, uh, yeah, yeah, last night, 
was a rough one. We had our chances early on in, well, starting off again, feeding off center field. It's not like it was much of an upgrade last night from Pache going back to Marsh against a left-hander in Cortez. And defensively, Marsh made just a terrible, terrible play in the first inning where he didn't get a good jump on a line drive to center that was coming in hot and it was a burner and it was going to land short, but he hesitated for a second. And by the time he came in, he, in very lethargic fashion, put his glove to try to dig it out. Didn't even get close to digging it out. Skirted right by him all the way to the center field fence. And it ended up being a triple. So Marsh did not look good in defense last night. And then there was a big play where I was surprised that the Phillies third base coach didn't send him. But Real Marsh was on second with two outs. And Real Muto hit a burner to right field, a one-hopper to the right fielder. And Marsh was halfway around third coming in. And he saw the stop sign. So he put on the brakes and started to retreat to back to third base with two outs. So it, should, it would have been first and third, two outs. I think he should have been sent the whole way, put the pressure on the right fielder to make the perfect throw to get him out. He was not. So the right fielder ended up, I believe, Franchi Cordero, ended up airmailing air at home right over the catcher's head. So at that point, when Marsh was retreating to third, he saw it go over the catcher's head, and he kind of made a double step towards home, thinking it, it could be a wild throw to the backstop and he could end up stealing home on it but it ended up going right to your boy nasty Nestor, and all it took was marsh's double step and then when he saw uh cortez catch it cleanly it was just caught no bounce no nothing it was right right to his glove so he threw marsh out at third base to end the inning and um yeah really really bad base running really Really unfortunate moment for the Phillies. They they were down three to one at the time, so that could have cut it to three to two, gained a little momentum. It was the fourth inning, and um, yeah, it was a big big momentum kill at that time. And then the next inning was the implosion where the Phillies ended up giving at least four runs up. I think it was five. I think. I think they gave up five more runs in the inning. Um, Taiwan Walker wasn't able to last through the next inning. He got pulled for Junior Marte, who I had high expectations on. I previewed that in my first couple episodes, and he has not been able to hit his spots at all. And when the few times he does hit his spots... He's given up home runs. They're belting it out. Rizzo crushed one last night to make it 5-1. to one. And then I think he was only able to get one more out or one out uh, by himself the rest of the inning before he got pulled for Andrew Vasquez, who has been, along with Bailey Falter, probably one of the only shining spots so far in terms of the Phillies pitching staff. So... By the end of the inning, it was eight to one, and that is where the score, 
the final score. That is what the sc- final score ended up being. So there we have it, 0-4 to start the year. And it has been really, really frustrating baseball to watch. It's not just that we're losing. It's that we're losing in very unfundamentally sound baseball in terms of a lot of walks, a lot of... It's almost as if we weren't fully prepared coming out of spring training for the new rule changes. There were some pitch clock issues with Nola and Wheeler and we're we're not looking crisp or there's too many walks and too many defensive errors. There was a miscommunication last night between Trey Turner and Josh Harrison where I, I, I shouldn't even say miscommunication. There was just a blatant lack of communication when there was a routine pop-up to very short left field grass and Turner did not did not call for it, neither did Harrison. I, I guess they both assumed that each other it was each other's ball. Those kind of things are gonna gonna happen early on, but it needs to be worked out. Um with that being said, it is only four games. I know that most of anyone who will listen or most fans that are following probably does feel like the sky is falling right now, probably does feel like last year was an anomaly. We got lucky, we got hot, and we rode the wave all the way to winning two out of the first three games of the World Series. And it was all just luck. It was all just... Yeah, it was all just luck, and we are regressing to the means. Now... I contest that. I, I, We are clearly not the worst team in baseball. We're the only team in baseball right now who is winless. So when you look at our roster, we are not the worst team in baseball. We're going to compete for a wild card spot. It is clear that we do not belong in in the same discussion as Atlanta and as the Mets right now. They are clearly deeper and more well-rounded of, of rosters than we are. Um, they have the ability to withstand injuries better than we do, which is obviously coming up big. You have to, you have to ponder what our injury woes have done to our chemistry in the clubhouse to start the year as well. But with that being said, I, we we will compete for a wild card, and I still think that we will get it. But we do have to turn this around. We gotta we gotta get one against the Yankees in these last two games to get our first win, and then the schedule does start to lighten up. Um, we have the Reds to look forward to this weekend, who who are playing some good baseball. So that is not going to be an easy series. I'll get to that a little bit later, but. The sky is not completely falling. However, the good news is I don't think it could have been a worse start to the season. So there is nowhere to go but up. In the first four games, we've given up 37 runs in four games to start the year. That's including Sunday night when we only gave up two runs. 
and then we only scored 12 in four games as well. So that's minus 25 in four games run differential. That could take us in many, many months of the year to even break even in terms of run differential moving forward. We've only had one home run in the first four games. So that was off to a great start. Alec Bohm, who is looking like he's going to affirm a lot of people's predictions for him having a breakout year. He is off to a torrid start and hit that opposite field home run against DeGrom on opening day. So, and, But we haven't had one since. So that'll kind of that kind of segues into how the loss of Reese Hoskins is already and is going to continue having much larger ramifications in terms of the duality of our lineup and the power that he added that his slugging his ability to slug how Losing that is a lot larger than people initially realize. They know things happen fast and you just kind of regroup and you move on and people try to pick each other up. But there are there are going to be a lot of former Reese Hoskins offensive haters due to his uh, his streakiness that are going to start eating their words and realize how integral a part, a cog to our lineup that he was. Um, He was always batting somewhere between two and six, usually three, sometimes two, sometimes five. And to lose that right-handed power bat has been just so crippling so far and will continue to be. A lot of people perceptualize the loss as just replacing Hoskins with Derek Hall. Now, that's not entirely true when you look at the state of our lineup because Hall was usually going to be playing DH anyway, so he was already going to be in the lineup most days, even with Hoskins playing. So you're not really replacing Hoskins in the lineup with Hall. You're essentially replacing Hoskins in the lineup with guys like Edmundo Sosa, with guys like Josh Harrison. So that is a drastic decline in our ability to hit for extra bases and ultimately home runs. And it's showing really, really early on. I mean, obviously with Harper out, getting Harper back is going to make a huge difference because then essentially it will be more like replacing Hoskins with Hall. But that that's not going to be for a long time there's a lot of baseball that's going to have to be played before getting Harper back into this lineup and it's looking like the ability for us to even tread water at this point is going it's going to be a tall hill to climb now as we are four games sub 500 in the first four games of the year it's going to be tough just to get back to 500 and ultimately get above it But like I said, the schedule does start to turn into our favor for the next week and a half or so after after these next two against the Yankees. So hopefully by games 13, 14, hopefully by the the Astros series, which is coming up the end of April, 
we will be at or right around 500 again and starting to make a push forward is kind of it's kind of the hope right now but with that said that might be wishful thinking because Speaking of this lineup in the hole that Hoskins and Harper are leaving, it's kind of glaring to look around and to see where is the power ultimately going to come from. Kyle Schwarber has been just dreadful to start the year. He is 1 for 17. He doesn't have a single walk in his first 17 plate appearances, which is is a little concerning. He's swinging at a lot of balls outside the zone. Um it seems like teams and pitchers are have adapted the way that they're pitching him so far, and it is starting to show, but I'm sure he'll, he'll be turning it around. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes deep tonight to kind of, you know, get back on track to start the year, but without Schwarber hitting for his traditional power, and even with it, there is a blatant lack of power in this lineup when you really start to analyze it from top to bottom. We're counting on guys like Castellanos to have a bounce-back power year. I personally am not counting on that. It it doesn't really uh, look very promising so far. He might bat for better average. He might get more hits, and he might show a little bit more discipline at the, at the, at the plate hopefully strike out a lot less and walk a little bit more. But in terms of the power, I'm not counting on more than 18 home runs this year, something in that ballpark. Boom, as we talk, he's he's taking a step up. He's going to hit for more, for more power, for more extra bases this year. So that will be a plus, but best case scenario, what we're talking, 24 home runs, 25 home runs from Boom. Real Muto usually takes a little bit to get going in the season. He had the uh, well-publicized slow start to the year last year and uh, really, really turned it around around, uh, I want to say, June and still ended up with his, I believe, 22 home runs last year. So that will come, but he's not a guy that's going to hit more than 20 home runs either necessarily right in that ballpark. So we're we're missing, you know, two guys that were perennially going to hit over 30 home runs each in the middle of our lineup, and we're counting on guys to step up that that's really not their role. That's not their game. Now, hopefully Derek Hall, Derek Hall will will uh, perform similarly the way that he did when Harper was out. On uh on the IL last year when he came in and filled in, uh with that DH left-handed power bat very well and kind of kept us afloat, helped to keep us not only just afloat but thriving during Harper's absence last year. So, so things will pick up, but I just don't see the power picking up. That's that's my biggest concern. I mean, guys like Bryce and Stott and. Brandon Marsh and Edmundo Sosa and Josh Harrison and and even Jake Cave and obviously Chris Christian Pache who yeah yeah if we're we're you get the point you get the point by now that it is uh this could be not the 
great uh, bounce back season after losing the World Series last year that we all envisioned it to be. I shouldn't say bounce back, but uh, building off of last year's run, we kind of collectively Phillies fans had the optimism that we were going to come into the season red hot and pick up where we left off and compete for the division and get right back in the playoffs and make another run at this. It's not going to be as easy as originally thought, obviously. But like I said, the sky is not falling. We need to put on the brakes and let the first two weeks play out before we hit the panic button. I mean, if we we end up starting out one and seven two and nine then you know there there are things that we'll have to look at in terms of you know where we're going from there and if we really need to reevaluate our the big picture expectations for this year but I'm just kind of going to give it a little more time like I said it it's pretty imperative that we we get one at least one of these next two against New York it's not going to be easy we have Stram going tonight, Matt Stram, our bullpen acquisition from Boston in the offseason who has been vaulted into our fifth starter. So I believe they're only looking to get about three innings from him, and then we'll make it into a bullpen game from there. So our offense has, has to come alive. We need – we got to start hitting for some – power like I said uh, I don't have my fingers crossed on that but we will see but also timely hitting we uh, we haven't gotten barely we haven't done well with runners in scoring position we haven't done well with two outs and men on base so we have to start getting some timely hitting hopefully tonight get our first win and then tomorrow we have a day game Aaron Nola will be back trying to redeem his his dreadful uh, fourth inning against Texas. So hopefully he comes out with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder to try to get himself and ultimately his team back on track. But it won't get any easier from an, our offensive perspective because we, Nola is going against Garrett Cole on the opposite mound. So we did hit DeGrom, like I've, I've said quite a few times already. So hopefully we will be able to hit Cole tomorrow and give Nola the run support once more and give him a second opportunity to hold on to it for us and pass it off to the bullpen with a lead this time. So hopefully Stram can and the bullpen can hold it down tonight. Our offense can wake up and carry it into tomorrow against Cole while Nola can have a bounce back game. And then on Thursday... We we open up against the Reds. We got Wheeler coming back out for another redemption opportunity, just like Nola, who I I do think both of them as the high end starters that they are, the pride that they put into their craft, they might not be near perfect in their second starts of the year, but I do predict much more quality, close to quality starts, at, at least five innings each under three runs they will give their team they will give the Phillies a chance to compete uh unlike the way that they did the way they pitched in games one and two of the year Wheeler is going against Nick Lodolo for for the Reds on Thursday so that's not a great matchup for the Phillies he's a um he's a sophomore southpaw and 
he really kind of owned the Phillies in his start against them last year. They uh they struck out a lot. I don't I don't have the exact numbers on me, but I remember watching the game and they were having trouble even making contact with him. So he's kind of got an unconventional delivery and he's tall and lanky, has a long release point. So so that's going to be a tough one. It'll be interesting to see what Thompson does, being that he's a lefty. Um, are we going to have Bohm at first base again? Are we going to have Pache in center? <laughs> I hope not, but we will see. Uh, probably yes. And then um, so our lineup really kind of takes a hit against left-handed pitching. And just as a as a whole, we we never – uh, traditionally, we don't perform so very well against uh, against left-handed pitching. So we kind of got a task ahead of us for these next three games. I I do like a win tonight. I think Stram is going to give them some quality innings. I like our bullpen to bounce back, and I like our offense to kind of wake up, snap out of it a little bit. Now, tomorrow is going to be a tough one. Like I said, day game, 1 o'clock start, NOLA versus Cole. So, sorry, I got a little interference there with my cell phone close to the mic. Um, so, yeah, yeah, let's see. If we can get two out of these next three, steal one tonight, potentially steal one tomorrow, but if not... Hopefully we can hit Lodolo and Wheeler bounces back as well as our bullpen. So let's say two out of three victories. That'll put us to two and five with two more against the Reds heading into next week. Maybe maybe sweep the Reds. I doubt it, but we can be looking best case scenario to approaching back to 500 by the end of next week at some point if we uh, if we start winning some series moving forward. We just got to take it one game at a time right now and, and yeah, try to get out of this hole that we dug ourselves in before the Philadelphia media just starts to absolutely panic, which I'm sure they are already. I'm sure fans are already, like I said at the beginning of the show, acting as if the season is over and might as well mail it in, might as well trade Bryce Harper at this point, right? We could probably get some good young arms, replenish our farm system that we depleted for this run. <laughs> um, so, yeah, a couple, like I said, bright spots, though. Uh, Bohm is on fire to start off. He he has seven hits in the first four games with the home run. His OPS is 1,300. Turner has been exactly as advertised, at least on offense. He's... He's made a, a few questionable plays on defense, like I said, not communicating to Harrison last night on the pop-up. But that will all come in time. But yeah, Turner's been as advertised. He has seven hits as well. Two triples. Two triples in the first four games. So that speed is real. That speed is real. Now, we, we do only have a couple stolen bases to start the year. Turner's not one of them. Real Muto's picking back up. He's, he already has a stolen base. But, yeah, between Turner and Bohm, their offense has been phenomenal so far. Um, Castellanos is—we'll see with Castellanos. He's, he's got four hits, um, 
three doubles. Three of his four hits are doubles to start the year. And Real Muto's been solid. Just all in all, top to bottom, our guys are getting base hits. We're just not hitting for a whole lot of extra base hits. Uh, Marsh does have two doubles as well, as well as four hits. And then Bryson Stott has six hits. And so really the only mainstay in our lineup who hasn't been hitting at least for average so far is Schwarber. Like I said, he is one for 17 to start the year with, and that was just a single. So Schwarber's got to turn it around. We know he will, and he'll probably get red hot at some point coming up to try to start to carry the offense like he did for about a month or two stretch last year. So, yeah, as far as offense, they've been hitting. We just haven't been able to score the runs that we've needed so far to to bring it home after. But with our pitching performing the way it has, um, between Noller, Wheeler, and Walker last night, we haven't had a single uh, of those guys get through five innings. Both Walker and Wheeler were only four and a third, and Nola was three and two-thirds. Walker and Wheeler have an identical 8.31 ERA after their first start of the year. And then when you get to the bullpen, um, like I said, Vasquez, he's at he's at three and two-thirds innings pitched without giving up a single run so far. So he's been... He's been a big uh, bright spot in an otherwise not so not or really bad, I should say, start to the year from the what I predicted would be a top three bullpen. What a what a prediction or how great does that look after the first four games? But they're starting to settle in. Soto had a really rough uh, first start where I don't think he retired a batter in game one versus Texas, and. Um, but he looked better. He, he he looked better his second outing. Um, sure, Anthony's only got an inning pitched, and he did not look good. Like I said, Junior Marte looks like he doesn't really belong in the majors at this point. I understand why San Francisco um, let him loose the way that they did. Hopefully, he can start to locate better, uh, get more break on his uh, his pitches, stop giving up those home run balls. And then Craig Kimbrell wasn't able to get himself out of a bases-loaded jam because Thompson wanted to save him for the upcoming game, so he didn't even give him a chance to work himself out of it when he brought Josh Harrison in, who gave up all three runs. Uh, but Andrew Bellotti has been another bright spot, two and two-thirds without giving up a run so far. So all in all, we have guys like Trey Turner, Alec Bohm, Andrew Bellotti, Andrew Vasquez, but oh, and Bailey Falter, as I already mentioned, who had a, a great start Sunday night on primetime. So I didn't expect that from Falter with the way that he pitched in spring. He was not able to locate. He looked like he had regressed from last year, but spring is spring. And then once we get to April, we, uh, you know, the real deal, things start to click in a little more. So, so great job by Bailey Falter, uh, giving us a chance to win on Sunday night, although our bats weren't able to pull it out. So, like I said, couldn't have been a more disappointing start to the year, but let's not panic. Let's know. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. We, uh, 
We were 21 and 29 last year, eight games under 500, way more into the year, and we were able to turn that around. So you know, you know, Rob Thompson isn't hitting the panic button yet. He'll uh, he'll try to talk to the guys. He'll try to figure out some adjustments that he needs to make to put a better product on the on the field. The chemistry will start to grow in terms of communication. Brandon Marsh isn't often going to make that first inning error that he made last night. Things will improve. There's nowhere to go but up, and that is kind of a small light in the darkness right now. But we uh, we'll make it happen. We'll get we'll get we'll make a run at this, and we'll write the ship. Is my prediction. But like I said, we uh we just got to get that first win. We got to get that first win off of our backs and off of our chest and to them we can start to loosen up and start playing start playing some more fundamental baseball again um so i think i'm gonna leave it at that for today a little bit of a shorter show but let's kind of uh turn our focus to getting back on track tonight with matt stram and then bleed it into tomorrow with nola and then ultimately wheeler on thursday So, as always, thank you for listening. I will be back soon, and I will talk to you all then.